to the short side they go. McKenzie, inside, Cruden, brilliant! And Grant kicking across field for Morahan, and he takes oh. it brilliantly. Morahan, he kicks ahead, needs a good bounce, and he gets it! What oh. a try! Luke Morahan! Hello and welcome to another edition of the Fox Rugby Podcast. Uh, alongside me is uh, our regular correspondent, Christy Doran from foxsports.com.au. How are you, Christy? Yeah, splendid, thanks. Another beautiful morning in Sydney. Absolutely. No Sean Maloney today, so I'll be uh, doing my best to, to host you through it. And we've got a very special guest all the way out from the motherland, from England, Chris Jones from the BBC. Welcome to our uh, luxurious studios. Yeah, thanks for having us. Mate, uh, you've been having a pretty good time on tour, firstly. We'll, we'll cover off your, uh, your your highlights from from off the field maybe quickly. Yeah, um, it's been a good week. I mean, we, we played some golf on Tuesday as a, a media pack, and then we had a nice lunch yesterday, but obviously been working extremely hard as oh, well, sure. well yeah. along the way. But the tour's been brilliant. I mean, three great cities, Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney. Rugby's been good. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's been good for you guys, but certainly for, from our point of view, the rugby's been pretty compelling. Uh, and plenty of stuff going going on off the field from from a rugby point of view and on it as well. So it's been a, it's been a great few weeks. So mate, let's let's start off with the the big picture, the big questions. I mean, did you have any inkling this this was possible? This emphatic uh, series victory. I, I, I think uh, yeah, uh, just because of the way England played um, during the Six Nations and, and the way that clearly they felt there was room for improvement. I mean, they actually won that Six Nations had a bit of a canter. If you look at all the games individually, they were much better than Wales. They were much better than France. Scotland and Italy were two. You know, banana skin away games, but they negotiated them quite easily. Um, Ireland was probably the one that was a little bit in the balance, but still they were too strong. So given that and the fact that Eddie Jones was really talking after the Grand Slam, there's so much more to come. You just felt England could come here and do a number on the Wallabies, considering the Wallabies hadn't played since October. You know, that's five, six months without playing test rugby, where England had won a Grand Slam in that period. So I definitely had a feeling England could achieve something out here. 3-0. I don't think many people could have predicted, but I think there was a confidence coming out here that it wasn't one of those end of season, make up the numbers, bodies are knackered, come down under, get hammered kind of tours like we've seen so many times over the last 15 years. There was really a feeling born in the plane that, that England were going to be a bit better than, than, than what they have been over the last few summer tours. Just, just quickly on that, before we move on in terms of how Eddie Jones has done it, Stuart Lancaster, how much of this playing group and what kind of legacy did he leave behind? Yeah, I mean, it's easy to, to sort of completely make Stuart synonymous with the World Cup failure. And he, and he forever will be, unfortunately, because he was the coach when England got knocked out of the World Cup at the pool stages. But a lot of the guys you're seeing excel in the international arena now were brought through by Lancaster. Guys like Jack Knoll and Anthony Watson, uh, Jonathan Joseph, uh, George Cruz, Maka Vinopola. They were all given first caps under Stuart Lancaster. Billy Vinopola, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Only really the likes of, of James Haskell and Ben Youngs have been around before the Lancaster. So Lancaster deserves a lot of credit for that. The problem Lancaster had was in his last year, he got a bit confused tactically and in terms of selection. They beat Wales in Cardiff in 2015 spring, playing a power forward game, really beat the Welsh up that night. Come the summer, they were talking about playing an all-court New Zealand-type ball-in-hand game, forwards handing like backs and all that. So there was just this slight confusion going into the World Cup. They didn't quite know their best team, didn't quite know how they wanted to play. There was the Sam Burgess thing, which complicated selection a little bit. So there were all those things in the last year that if Lancaster had his time again, he'd probably look to do differently. But certainly the first few years of his regime, he brought through so many players who are now um, playing well in an English shirt. So more than anything, has Eddie Jones just brought a sense of real clarity? Clarity. Clarity is the key word. Clarity over the way England want to play. Clarity over selection. Clarity over game plan. 
tactics. A point Eddie Jones made the other day is that every rugby country has a different identity. You know, the Australian identity, as Michael Check has been really trying to push through, is to play ball in hand rugby. Um, the identity of the English is to have a big forward pack and to play, you know, perhaps a set-piece territory game. We saw that in 2003. And Jones hasn't been scared of saying, let's go back to basics. Let's try and scrum them all teams off the park and then add things to that once you've got that foundation. Never was that message that clear under Lancaster. England seemed to be trying to imitate the All Blacks a lot rather than saying, no, this is what English rugby does and they do it very well and let's, let's really try and, try and make the most of that. And conversely, do you think from an Australian perspective, Christy, that over here... England were underestimated a little bit. We didn't fully realise just how much they'd developed during the Six Nations. I mean, everyone was fairly confident and, and maybe a little bit blasé with England coming down that, that the World Cup would, would be replicated. Do you think that's fair that they... I'm not. Maybe those in, within the Wallabies camp didn't, but uh, the wider Australian public maybe maybe did. Certainly there was expectation. And, and, and some people say, look, we, we probably did overachieve at that World Cup. Um, from where we came to where we finished, we, we kind of... What Scotland was scraped past in that quarterfinal, semi-final obviously against Argentina and we played well. But look, without those Australian, key Australian players in that back line, um, who, who were based in Europe, the likes of Adam, Adam Ashley Cooper, Drew Mitchell, uh, Will Genia, um, of course, of course yeah. Matt Gitto, who was probably the key to, to everything at, at inside centre. So I don't think there was there was an expectation from 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 the Australian public, but from certainly within, I, they never thought this series was going to be easy. Um, and, and coming together only what ten days beforehand, uh, before the series, you had Christian Leifana with Baby Watch. Um, you had Carmichael Hunt, who was always around that kind of group, and uh, it was thought of of, of, of probably getting a, a test start. And as it turns out grounded because of groin injury so there was a lot of disruptions within that back line which certainly did not help the clarity that Michael Checker would have been wanting whereas look England's really apart from Manu Tuolangi has come out with a, a full strength yeah. team and I, I, was, I was thinking this on the way over here Will Skelton's come back today and Matt Tamur's come back today for the Wallabies two players you think that would have been pretty handy if they were in the test team in Brisbane because Skelton's power, Tamur, the way Checker wants to play, he needs a second footballer in the midfield. He can't play that that passing game with, with two big men in the midfield. But they've both had injuries, so his selection has been ha ha hampered so much by by injuries. Whereas apart from Manny Tuolangi, and that's and that, you know Henry Slade didn't play in the Six Nations, but on the whole... You know, Jones has got a, got lucky with the way all these players at the end of a World Cup year are still ready to go physically, and and compare that to Checker with all the players in Europe, with players like Tamua not not fit at the start, Lelefano not training in the Brisbane week, Skelton having a shoulder problem. Checker was talking about today. You put that all into the mix, and you know, Co came back from Bordeaux. No, Kepu rather came back from Bordeaux, didn't he? Having not played much rugby, I mean, I'm sure they'd love to have played Kepu and Co in the in the front row together, they've not done that yet. So all these things have gone into the mix to actually put the Wallabies' preparation in a, in a worse place than England's, which normally isn't the way when England go down under at the end of a long season for their summer tour. And back home in England, obviously, Euros will be will be dominating mm -hmm. the uh, the headlines and everything back there. But from afar, well, what have you managed to, to gather in terms of how big an impact uh, this this series has made on, on, on the English people? Yeah, you're, you're dead right. The Euros do have dominated everything in terms of the media agenda, but winning a historic test series in Australia, if it had been two defeats, and I think it had been inside pages, you know, back end of the sports bulletins, but we've really found a lot of interest coming from, from back home because this has never been done before. And as we touched upon earlier, teams from the Northern Hemisphere coming over in June just never win in the Southern Hemisphere, really. What is it? Probably 10% win rate over the last 10 years. So to come and win two in a row, I think, has forced a lot of people to sit up and take notice at home. And a lot of people are saying, yeah, maybe this is for the first time in 13 years 
an England team that actually walk the walk, talk the talk and have the swagger and self-confidence of the, the World Cup winning side of, of 03. Yeah, and pretty clear that there's no, no let off this week. Um, in your observations, are they going to be yeah. just, just, as, just as hungry? Well, and I couldn't believe it. No, I mean, you can't really say that about Eddie Jones and, and Harley. You can't believe what, what the way they're fo- so focused. But it was five minutes after full-time whistle in, in Melbourne. And the first answer in an interview I did with Eddie Jones was, you know, the job's not done yet. You know, you just said, Eddie, you've won a historic series. You must be incredibly happy and he goes oh job's not done we need to win 3-0 that was in right after the game Hartley as well so for that message to be coming from the coach and captain filters through the squad there is a a, an obsession with winning this series 3-0 which is incredible because it would have been so easy for England to say right 2-0 job done end of a long season let's change half the team let's rest up let's enjoy Bondi Beach but it's been um it's been the opposite it's all been part of a wider plan and, and from word dot Eddie Jones came in in what November and he said we want to be the number one team in the world we want to take over the mantle from the All Blacks and it's all part of that isn't it oh completely you know and I think Eddie Jones when he got the job he he probably looked at his experiences of coaching against England in 2002-3-4 and that was an England team that, that ruled the roost in world rugby up until 03 big forward pack big personalities and he's probably thought where's that been for the last 10 years or so so he knows there is so many players there are so many players in the premiership english qualified there is so much money in the english game there is so much you know you're, you're hamstrung over here by rugby union not being uh, that big a sport compared to others you're hamstrung by the money that that's sloshing around australian rugby compared to in europe english rugby has all that it, it's it has so m- many raw materials to be successful and i think eddie jones is thinking right there's absolutely no reason why england shouldn't be the best team in the world, and he's not going to let up until that happens. Let's talk about Eddie's media campaign and how he's, you know, there's been so much talk about uh, the, the, the two coaches. And, um, Why are you rolling your eyes, Christy? <laughs> he's playing well, hasn't he? <laughs> yes, he's, he's played a blinder and he's loved every minute of it. And, you know, it was an, another thing happened in the week when he's down at Randwick, his old club, and Andrew Johns is there. You know, one of the great... Just rubbing Australia's oh, nose, isn't it? Complete, yeah. This is a legendary figure in Australian sport. This yeah. is, a, you know, you could not be a rugby league fan in the UK, but you know, you know, Jonathan Thurston and Andrew Johns and, and one or two others as, as all-time greats of rugby league. And now he's training with England. And, and Jones has, he's been trying to say, oh, it's nothing about me. It's not about a media campaign. I just give honest answers. But from the start, back in, in April, May, when he was talking in the UK, this body line, angle he was taking we're going to go down there and, and have bodyline tactics so he he framed a narrative right before they'd even set you know got on the plane to australia he started to to build up this this way that the, the team were going to come and take on the australians physical bodyline and look look how it's turned out and he takes all the pressure off his players doesn't it? it's quite a young squad and mm. i mean they, they can just go about their business with with eddie taking all the headlines all the all the barbs back and forth yeah. um, and just I let mean, them go about their business he, he likes being put up for he does media on thursdays with the team announcement and then he actually will do it he's been doing it on mondays as well which is normally when an assistant coach has, has done it in the past he doesn't like young players being exposed to the media. It took us a long, long time to, to have a chance to speak to Mario Toje. It was only after Toje had won about seven Man of the Match awards that he let him he come and he talk. He hasn't, hasn't lost in about... What's his well, record? Toje has, he years. hasn't lost a game he started since last May. It's incredible. So 13, 14 months. He, there was one game he came off the bench for Saracens in January. But apart from that, this season, he's won a Grand Slam, a Champions Cup, a Premiership and a Tour in Australia. A very intelligent man as well, <laughs> yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Poli- he's 21, studies a politics degree. Um, I was talking to him the other day about, um, I- about the, the, the vote, ca- the referendum in the UK, which is happening today, about whether to, to stay or, or leave the, the European Union. So he's a, for a 21-year-old, he's, he's cut from 
very different cloth to other 21-year-olds. He's a special bloke. But just on the point about Eddie Jones doesn't want any young player doing media until they've proven themselves. So once Satoje has won three man of the matches, right, he can talk to the media. But other young players, he's not let... He'll, he'd rather, as you're saying, he'd rather have all the media focus on him. He can then set the tone for the team that week and the young players can just get on with their business. And that's, that's how it's turned out. What's going to happen when, when Eddie Jones and England suffer their first loss? How, how's that going to go Well, the, I think we're all aware that at the moment it's a crest of a wave because th there's been a lot of talk. I can't remember who it was, maybe Phil Kearns was saying that Eddie Jones is a boom and bust kind of coach, you know, mm -hmm. a Jose Mourinho type. When it's good, it's great, and when it's bad, it can be bad. So what will be really interesting is how he copes and how um, the players cope when they do start losing games, because obviously they will, whether that's whether that's in the Six Nations in this, this autumn, whether it's against the New Zealanders in 2018, there will be defeats along the way. It's how he copes with what will be the, the media just switching switching focus. So at the moment, it's, it's great. But I think people are aware that it is the crest of a wave and it's not going to be this, this great for the next how many years Eddie Jones is in charge. Sure. All right, let's focus in on uh, the third and final test in Sydney this week. The, the Wallabies named their team this morning. Um, more changes, uh, especially the locks. He's, he's chopping and changing a lot. Michael Checker, what, what was your reaction to that? That squad naming, Christy. Isn't it just a, a merry-go-round in terms of the th particularly the, the locks, the forward pack? It, you just can't really pin Michael Checker down. You never really know what he's going to be doing. Everyone was surprised when Scotty C was left out of that uh, that that squad altogether down in Melbourne, and he's been brought back on the bench. Um, a brand new lock pairing again with with uh, Will Skelton partnering partnering up uh, with Rob Simmons. So look, I think that's actually quite a good one. Uh, it gives a lot of strength through Skelton who, uh, as Chris said beforehand, in Brisbane probably would have made an impact in terms of his ball-carrying ability and, um, and and with the body line trying to ruffle up a, mm. a couple of feathers there. Uh, interesting that this is the same back row. I think um, the consensus was that that, that uh, Sean McMahon, not, not that he struggled, but he did drop a couple of balls and I reckon he would have been feeling the heat of being at, having that expectation to... To, to, to barge through that English defence, and he really didn't do that. He had one one good run. Um, and, and certainly the, the other talking point is Matt Tamil coming back in an inside centre, and, and, and it breaks up that barnstorming, direct running approach that was Samu Karevi and, and Tabita Kurandrani. I think the, the bigger question is, is whether or not Kurandrani kind of earns the right to, to have that outside centre jump of his own, because Karevi has outplayed him right throughout the entire 2016 Super Rugby season and these opening two test matches. So Karevi not being there, Matt Tamua comes in and he would have made a huge difference had he been there from the, from the first test. He obviously provides that, that ball-playing ability. Another kicker, uh, he's, he's played, what, th almost 30 test matches. So he's, he's got a lot of experience. Um, and it's probably Australia's strongest Lineup, I think, in most balanced lineup. Mm. So it's going to be a big ask on Metsmura, isn't it? He hasn't played for a long time now. He's been been out, so to come up to speed, uh, you know, a test series of this intensity, it's going to be tough for him. But you're right, he does have that experience to fall back on, and it sounds like he, he's been training pretty hard for for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, the Highlanders, he went down. It was a bit of a mystery kind of injury, and what happened, and whether or not he's going to be out for one week or eight weeks, and it turns out to be the latter. So yeah. hopefully he's switched on, and you expect he would be. He went up ahead of that Brisbane Test match, and. Um, so he's obviously been running running around for a couple of weeks. Cool. Do, you, do you think Czech has missed a bit of a, a trick with selection? How 
from a UK point of view or Northern Hemisphere, one of the, the most startling things about Australia at the World Cup was their scrummaging with Kepu and Sio, but he's not actually paired them together yet in, in starting roles. James Slipper, I think most people did expect Dan Cole to get on top of, but people wouldn't have said the same about Cole against Sio. He's picked two inexperienced locks when he's got the likes of, of Mum and Horwell, who, you know, Mum especially played well at the World Cup. I know he's without Douglas. Simmons, he dropped when he was one of the stars of the World Cup. Um, the second playmaker was what was got the whole Aussie backline ticking at the World Cup with Gitto, but he's not put Lilefano in when he had the chance in Melbourne, and he's only now got a second one in Tamur. So do you think that a lot of the foundations that were put a place in the World Cup have just been slightly eroded by the selection? Yeah, I was very surprised that he didn't go for that front row um, combination in particular because Scott Sia, he, he's world class uh, last year, really emerged. He hasn't maybe been at his best this year, but uh, yeah, I would have gone Sia more, Kepu um, for sure, and James Horwell as well. Uh, we obviously didn't see a lot of him playing in England, but I think that experience um, that, I mean, he's a leadership as well is a big thing. He's a, he's a former captain mm. and Stephen Moore's without a lot of uh, lieutenants in this team, isn't he? With Adam Ashley Cooper, uh, Matt Giddo, Will Guinea of those, those yeah, now Pocock out as well. Like you just exactly, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was very surprised by that. Uh, the the centres was always a really tricky one because Lalia Fana was on baby watch ahead mm. of that that first test. Should he have played in Melbourne, perhaps? Yeah, look, I would have I would have started them personally, but Lalia Fana hasn't really taken his chances in his mm. in, in, in his test uh, time that he has had. He plays so well in Super Rugby, but for whatever reason, uh, maybe he's just one of those guys that can't quite step up to the next level. The, the frustrating thing for Michael Checker, though, was up in Brisbane when he wanted to have Karevi and Kurajani and see what they can do together, which was supported by someone like a Sterling Mortlock who who thought, hang on, these two guys are Rod, gonna... Rod Kay for another big fan yeah, of it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But he didn't get to see that because Rob Horn went down after 20 Yeah, minutes, that's true. Yeah. And yeah. we saw Karevi kind of out. So maybe Melbourne was that opportunity to go, let's let's see it. And Karebi didn't deserve to get dropped, did he? Because he actually played, they both played pretty well, Kudran and Karebi. Individually, they played quite yeah. well. It's the, it's the combination. And, and, then, and then just another thing to throw at you guys is the game plan. I was at the Wallaby Media this morning, and again, Czech is talking about the, the Aussie way, keeping the ball in hand. He said, we don't kick the ball much, but they've gone into a test series with, with only one kicker outside. Well, you know, Phipps isn't a great kicker of the yeah, ball. Haley Petty is the only kicker because the two centres didn't kick. And then in Melbourne, England, it wasn't a torrential, a horrible downpour. But England said after the pitch was so bad that it felt like a much more of a wet weather kind of game than it, the conditions actually looked like. Mm. England played just a perfect territorial game. Wallabies didn't. Uh, they tried to play all this running rugby just in conditions that didn't really allow it. So they've just got to... I wonder if they, they're, they're so obsessed with playing the one way, there isn't that, that tactical flexibility when, when the, say, the conditions or the game dictates they need to play otherwise. Yeah, I think it is a bit naive. I mean, I guess they don't quite have the, the weapons there to, to execute it. Matt Giddo, obviously, was that second mm. set of eyes for, for Bernard Foley that could, that could uh, use that kicking game. But I, I, think it, I think it is a bit... Silly, and you make yourself a sitting duck if you say we're not we're not going to kick. We're just going to run. I mean, that, that that's why that English wave of defence was just able to to push up on them. And it, you look at the All Blacks and the way they use attacking kicks. Oh, like they kick the whole it, time. It yeah. doesn't have to be territorial kicks. I mean, you've got cross kicks, little yeah, grubbers yeah. in behind to keep the, the the defensive line honest from from rushing up. So, uh, yeah, I, I find it very surprising that he that he's that he's put all his eggs in that basket. You're right, he has. But you're forgetting the fact that Israel Folau is not a kicking fullback. If it, if he was a Ben Smith, mm. who could do those up and unders, but the fact is half the time that Israel Folau kicks, he kicks it either straight down the opposition's throat or alternatively, outside his 22, he boots it and it goes out in the full. Um, probably Australia's worst ever kicking fullback, but however, obviously, he's, he's a certainly one of, the, one of the most gifted runners. Yeah. So it is unfortunate. Um, Dane Hallett-Petty could 
he kicked a fair bit down in Melbourne, and uh, it'll be interesting to see at, at some stage. Obviously, Izzy Folau is playing 13 for the Waratahs at the moment. If they do eventually move him to 13 and, and hail it Petty or, or, Peel, or Curtly Bill goes back to 15. Yeah, Curtly Bill, a massive loss, another guy that we haven't talked about. Mm. Let's let's move over to the England side with team selection. I think 7pm uh, Australian time, we'll, yep. we'll get the line-up and uh, obviously Eddie Jones might, might have a trick up his sleeve. Yeah, I think he's he's got... Um, Tamana Harrison yep. is, uh, is going to come in, we, we reckon. Um, he's not played yet this tour, but he was capped for the first time in the one-off test against uh, against Wales at Twickenham in May. He's 23, um, went to the same school actually that Dylan Hartley went to. Hartley actually saw him when Hartley was out for the 2011 World Cup. He got an email from his old school coach, said, come and have a look at this guy. He should be in England playing, you know, top quality rugby because he qualifies through parents. Um, he's got an English father, I think. And so he's he's been qu- he was quiet the first half of the season for Northampton, exploded in the second half, the kind of player Eddie Jones just likes. He's robust, he's, he's raw, but he's got the raw materials to be a pretty outstanding player, just needs a little bit of finessing. So he's going to come in. James Haskell, you know, he's he's not been walking this week. So if he pulls through to play, that'll be, that'll be a miracle performed by the by the medical he's, team. He's in to wake up. He ha- I mean, he Amazing. looked at his stats from Melbourne. He made two tackles and two carries but something like 21 tackles, you yeah. know, four turnovers. He, he was he was immense both test matches. Absolutely. So I think, I think just one one or two changes up front, maybe a change at lock. Jack Knoll was concussed, so he might not be rushed back. Marlon Yard would come back. But I think on the whole, the players are itching to go out there and try and, and try and win it 3-0. Do you think they'll try and play a bit more in Sydney? This is, I heard a couple of um, lines of thought that, you know, Eddie's now proven he can he can play that traditional English style and and beat Australia. He's got the series wrapped up. Will he now try and expand on yeah, that? Yeah, I, I think I think they're well aware that just playing ten man rugby isn't going to win you the World Cup in in 2019. Um, but I don't think they have, they've have any shame about the way they played in Melbourne, considering the conditions. And you can run the ball and pass the ball all you like. But Australia only scored seven points, and so that you know that that's the proof that England's game plan was was justified in in Brisbane. Yeah, the Wallabies outscored England 4-3. Bigland still scored 39 points in an away test match. So they're still scoring. They scored five tries in two test matches. They may not have been the most glamorous scores, a couple of them. But um, yeah, they've got, they've got talent in George Ford, Anthony Watson, Jonathan Joseph. They've got players who can cu- cut teams open. So um, I think their plan might be, again, keep it tight for an hour and then see what they can do in the, in the, in the back quarter. How much pressure does Mike Brown come into this game? Because it's... Uh, he, there's a, there's a certain percentage of the population that would very much like to see another player yeah. take his position. Well, Alex Good, um, the Saracens fullback, who's got got 20 20 odd caps for England, had a run in the 15 jersey in sort of 2012-13. He was the Premiership Player of the Year and won a double with Saracens. Brown hasn't had a brilliant season domestically. Jones loves Brown. He's one of his vice captains. He loves his his abrasiveness. He loves his confidence. You know, combativeness, his confrontational style. Uh, Good is a more of a footballing, playmaking kind of fullback, but I don't think Jones is quite yet sold on whether he is top international quality. So he's giving Brown a bit of extra time, but certainly the one player who is under a bit of pressure for his place might be Brown. In the fullness of time, Anthony Watson may move to fullback, and another winger could come in. But for now, I think I think Brown keeps his place, maybe with Good on the bench, um, because Jones I think just wants to wants to back his man there. All right, I'll put you on the spot, boys. Uh, predictions for, for this one. Are we, are we thinking 3-0, Chris? I think England will win 3-0, but a lot is depending on that team selection. Actually, you know, if Jones has held a few cards close to his chest, and actually there are three or four guys 
five guys who, who played in the first test matches who physically have, are spent and can't play then and he has got three or four new faces in then it may it may just give the Aussies a chance I think depends on selection but this is the test match where I think we'll see the best of Australia it's whether England can can summon up one more one more one more effort so on the balance of that I'll probably go with Australia to nick it okay Christy you're going to be burning your Wallabies jersey on Saturday night um <laughs> no, <laughs> but uh, I do think that uh, England should be favourites. I think they deserve to be favourites after a couple of very good games, uh, sh uh, strategically more than anything. Um, I, I, Matt Tamua, his his inclusion is huge for the Wallabies. Um, I don't know if they have quite enough in the forwards, though. I, th I think their type five of England's is is exceptional. I think that's where. Australia are suffering, particularly with Kane Douglas not being there. Yeah. I, I, the Wallabies have a very good record at Allianz. Of what, they've won a couple then in a row in, in the last couple of years over Wales and France. So they'll be confident. Uh, however, I think England will win, say, 20, 26 points to, to 20. England have expended so much energy, haven't they, with that heroic defensive performance. So maybe, you know, that it'll be hard to see them playing quite at that level mm. again, won't it? You'd, you'd think they'd be slightly below that and that'll give Australia a chance. The likes of Harrison, though, coming in, Jack yep. Clifford, those yeah. guys will help a lot. That, that's the where the, the selection is so key because obviously ha Jones would love to put the same 15 out again. But he's just got to think, balance up someone who has had a long, you know, Chris Robshaw has had a long old season playing World Cup, the emotional, physical toll that took, getting back up for the Six Nations, then Europe with Harlequins, and then, you know, it just, it's just been a, for a lot of these players a series of, of huge games. And he's got to decide whether a young, hungry player who's maybe not had rugby for three or four weeks, or maybe longer, might be a better bet than one of these guys who, who have done, you know, heroically over the past few weeks. Might a, a Joe Launchbury or a Courtney Laws yeah. come into that? Yeah, well, I mean, for, for, for a lot of people, Joe Launchbury and Courtney Laws was a great second row partnership in waiting a couple of years back and now they're both on the bench it's that's the depth in English rugby that Jones is bringing through um, I think he'll he'll play George Cruz again that there's an option perhaps of bringing Marutoje onto the blindside flank and giving Chris Robshaw a rest um, he can maybe play someone at number eight and give Billy Bernapoda a rest there's not actually another sort of natural number eight um, in the party as such um, so he's got options but certainly someone like Launchbury or Laws they're hungry and they're, they're ready to they're ready to play all right, let's have a look at uh, the other big test matches this weekend. We've got two other good series um, in, in progress. Start off uh, across the ditch, the All Blacks and Wales. The All Blacks have uh, wrapped the series up and, and made a couple of changes with Elliot Dixon from the from the Highlanders coming in with his electrical tape around the head. He'll be uh, he'll be pretty hungry there in Dunedin. Um, can Wales go close again? The, 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 food, the first two tests were very similar, weren't they, with Wales right there at halftime in front in the first one, level in the second, and then the All Blacks just put on that 10, 20-minute burst of of points, um, is it going to be a similar script or what's going to happen, guys? Uh, I, it's hard to see Wales getting close. I mean, they've it's just that third game in the tour when you, it come June, it's often the tough one to, to get physically ready for. They've had a few people missing out. It's just frustrating from Wales' point of view because I might look back on these test matches, especially the Auckland one, and think, that's maybe where the All Blacks were there for the taking a little bit. England had this in 2014. Um, but Wales just have to take every single opportunity. They need to be 10, 15 points clear come the hour mark, not kind of in the game because that's when the all-black bench fitness and, and just accuracy, ruthlessness comes into play. So I can't see Wales winning, but, you know, I think they'll, they'll give it a good go. And one thing you always get with Gatland, a Gatland coach Wales team is physicality. You know, they, they, they get themselves into a good frame of mind to, to play these kind of big test matches. So you know, I think they'll be in the game again, but hard to see them winning. Christy, similar thoughts? Or? Yeah, it just the all-blacks as substitutes, their depth 
it's just remarkable the, how Bowden Barrett he came on and uh, just changed the course of that game last week. It was amazing with with two individual pieces of brilliance there to, to set up tries. One one he scored and the other one uh, uh, w with Ben Smith he combined just spectacularly. So it it is hard to see Wales a third test and tour. We we saw them struggle against the Chiefs a couple of weeks ago uh, or last week in fact in a tour match. Um, that shows the lack of depth. It, yep. Yeah, it does, yeah. and it it does, and. Uh, Lima Sopawanga on the bench. You've got what uh, Elliot Dixon starting. Liam Squire off the bench. There's there's quite a few new faces in that New Zealand team that will be hungry um, to 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 make an impression on Hanson. Um, it's a shame we've got to wait two years for All Blacks England, isn't it? That's mm. uh, that's the one everyone's crying out for over in New Zealand. They'd, they'd love England to pop across this weekend. Yeah, and, and they'd, and love, England, they'd love to England to pop across and actually put them in their place. You know, <laughs> <laughs> to go. Yeah, you could beat the Wallabies, but it's a different different matter against the All Blacks. Yeah, not till 2018 are we yeah. going to play in New Zealand because New Zealand aren't touring. Um, on touring the U touring the UK, but not touring England in November. Uh, but obviously, the All Blacks do have the small matter of the the Lions tour next summer, which is going to be interesting. It's yourself, Sam, you're, you're the New Zealander. What what do you think? I uh, I think under the the roof there in Dunedin, the All Blacks will be itching to to take their high octane game to another level again. And and yeah, they love uh, they, they say they don't do it, but they love giving these hometown guys their their first opportunities um, in, in front of their home fans where they're comfortable. And so yeah, Elliot Dixon, I mean, he's a he's a bit of a mongrel of a man. He's going to be just absolutely ripping in. And and these poor Welshmen are on their last legs after a, a really long season. So yeah, I don't think it'll get completely ugly because the Welsh players do have a lot of heart. But yeah, I could easily see a 25 point sort of sort of margin. But before we go to the final Test match, um, or of the of the big three in the southern hemisphere um eddie jones and british and irish lions mm. is he he's been talking himself down and, and out of that yeah well i think he's talking himself out of it for a couple of reasons one is that it, nothing in his contract um said that he could go and coach the lions uh, they would have to, he'd have to be the lions want the the lions committee want the lions coach not to be coaching during the six nations before the lions they want basically a whole six month year-long preparation jones has just got the job he's not going to then he you feel go off and miss his only his second six nations so he'd have to negotiate that with the rfu and he's not going to go on doing an interview saying yeah i'd love to coach the lions before he's had a chat to ian ritchie the rfu chief executive that's one thing the other aspect is i think that the warren gatlin's already got this job sewn up the way that john fear and the lions chief executive has been speaking the fact that gatlin won the series in australia in 2013 he may have another big hitter alongside him talk that gatlin and joe schmidt might be doing it together uh, but i think i think um Jones is making a, a brilliant late play for it because the way he's turned england around in such a short space of time which is what you need when you're coaching the Lions, but uh, I, I think there are a few things standing in, in Jones's way with that. With that, who's on that committee? How does that work? It's quite a unique setup. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, the, 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 who's on the Lions committee? I mean, I think John Spencer, who's the tour manager, would have a say. John Fian as well. Uh, there, yeah, there are a few players who, who are rugby administrators who who will have a role in that. But it's a really difficult one to get right because you've kind of got to name it now. If if England, if Wales, then have a tough autumn or spring for you guys, and then has a tough Six Nations and Gatlin's the Lions coach, people will go, hold on a minute, what about Eddie Jones? He can't put a foot wrong. That has happened quite a lot in the past where actually the Lions coach has been named a year or two out and then his stock has kind of fallen in that process. Yeah. But Gatlin's experience of winning a Lions tour can't be can't be overlooked. I just think it's important that alongside him there are some other big hitters. It's not just a team who, who are all going to sort of sit, you know, be nodding dogs to Gatlin. We need people who are going to try and do things differently because it, it, Lions will have to be sensational it'll have to be a one of the great rugby efforts for this Lions team to come together 
and win in New Zealand. They're playing a whole heap of tour games, aren't they? It's going to be a very um, tough schedule over there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think they're playing every week almost. Well, it's, it's slightly slightly smaller than it has been in the past. In the past, it's, it's, been, you know, it's been a huge number of games. I think it's slightly slimmed it down, but still, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a handful of tour matches. They play the Maori. They'll play the, the big super rugby sides. You know, Jamie Roberts was quoted this week saying the Lions might need 55 players out there because of the physical toll. At that stage of the Is that season, every one of those well, that's basically everyone in the everyone in the British and Ireland. Ireland. But it's really hard for the Lions. This is where it's it, it, the, the, the administrators need to look at themselves, the structure, because they're going to be flying out a week after domestic finals. You know, in the, or, or a few days after domestic finals, the domestic finals really need to. I, I know that this the, it's so congested the calendar that's easier said than done. But the Lions need three, four weeks. You feel out in New Zealand acclimatizing or back at base. Doing working together as a group, it's all going to be so quick that it's going to take a, a coach with a magic wand to, to get them all together. There is the talent, but I, I do think that the, whichever coach comes in will have to almost take a template from one country and use that, like the Lions did with Wales in 2013. Yeah. Gatlin picked 10 Welshmen for the final test in Sydney, did the job. It's looking at the moment like it could be an English-dominated Lions, yeah. and you feel that's the way to go rather than three 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 players from this country, three players from that, because they just don't have enough time to, to, to get together. Yeah, yeah. sure. All right, let's cover off the uh, the third and final big series that we're showing here on Fox Sports, Ireland, South Africa, which has turned out to be a really intriguing um, series. The Springboks under Alistair Kutz here, off to a you know a mm. horror horror start to his tenure with that loss, and then they were getting booed at uh, Alice Park, their, their fortress at, at halftime, and they were able to to muster up the spirit with um, with with a good reserves bench as we've seen with the All Blacks. They they came on and and made the difference. So it's all set up for a, a thrilling decider in in Durban. Uh, which way do we see this one going, uh, Chris? First well, it, it's really hard with South Africa, isn't it? Because they've got this new coach, new coaching setup. The tr you, you can't not talk about the transformation angle of it. You know, they're desperately trying to for the, the team to represent more of South Africa, which you just can't argue with at all as a, as a concept. But then um, d does that mean South Africa go away from their traditional strength, which has been a massive pack of Africana forwards? If you're looking back a uh, hundred years of Springbok rugby. So Katsia has got the toughest job in world rugby on, on that front, trying to get the team winning because they were, you know, one loss and one bad 14 they're being booed so that's you, you've got this expectation to be the best in the world while also trying to assimilate as many people from different backgrounds as possible so I just don't envy could say one bit um, it's I, I almost think for, for, for the good of rugby I'd, I'd quite like South Africa to win because you don't want South African rugby to be going through a difficult few years which, which could be possible at the moment so uh, I think I'll, I'll back South Africa but you know his team selection in terms of his game plan that's where Kutsir is under a lot of scrutiny already in his tenure. Yeah. And this is an understrength Irish team as well that, mm. um, that's really pushing them to the brink. You've, you've been watching your beloved Irish Christy and um, yeah, it's been, been exciting stuff. Can yeah, I, I have. It's been keeping me up to all ends <laughs> of the night. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, they've had a couple of really players come through and, and star. Connor Murray's done really well mm. at scrum half. and then Paddy Jackson at 10. Johnny oh, Sexton's been the... He's had that 10 jersey sewn onto his back for yep. so many years and now... Jackson's doing really Indeed, the likes of Marshall at yeah. inside centre, Jay Payne at full back, their, their full pack has done very well. Toner in the locks is mm. just, just a massive Huge human man. man. Yeah. And, and you saw him just bump away one of the Springbok defenders last week to cross over. It was great. Um, they would they were kicking themselves for losing that match. 16 points they were leading, I think, at half yeah. time. And I think they probably realised we've, we've shot ourselves in the foot here. We, we should have gone on to win that to capture the series. Um 
can 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 they win that third one? Pro probably not. It'll be very difficult. You'd be surprised. It feels like they've missed their chance, doesn't it? The Ellis Park with that comeback. Yeah, yeah, it certainly does. Joe Smith's a very smart man, and, yep. and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him in terms of coaching, because of course he's been linked to the Highlanders in what 2018. Um, yep. So. Um, you can't underestimate Ireland. No one would have thought they would have been able to win that first test, particularly when they went down to 13 men. So there's a lot of pride in that in that lineup. Rory Best has done a great job mm. as a, a captain there. And, and Andy uh, Farrell's come on board as defence coach, having been part of the England coaching setup um, for for four years, and then lost his job after the World Cup. And now he's, you know, he, we know what a, what a good quality coach he is, yeah. and he's proving himself again with Ireland. Certainly, he's highly respected, isn't he? Oh, massively, yeah. And I think all those coaches are. You know, Graham Roundtree was was with England for years um, as a forwards coach. Um, Mike Cad is now with Italy as a skills coach. Roundtree's with, with Harlequins in London. So, yeah, um, sure, Lancaster's looking at jobs in, in Australia, yeah. especially in Super Rugby. So they'll all be back coaching and doing doing very well. It's just they, you know, clearly Lancaster paid the price of the World Cup and then Eddie Jones wants his own men in place, which, which you can't argue with. This third and final test across the board is going to be very important for, for every, every nation, particularly Australia and, and South Africa, as you were saying before. We, we discussed it a week ago. Um, has has Northern Hemisphere kind of turned it around? Uh, are they the respected force that they that that, that they previously were? Oh, there's no doubt they've improved, but I think it's it's a bit early to make huge huge comments like that. Um, I mean, certainly England deserve to be number two in the world at the moment, no doubt about that. Um, but I think Australia will come back with a, a stronger squad in the rugby championship. They're not at full strength. The Springboks are going through a, a transition phase as well. So, yeah, the, the rest of the Northern Hemisphere, you know, England's going going great yeah, guns. But so, I mean, France are at a low ebb. Wales, mm. not not sure about Wales. So. The trouble Wales have had is that they they won a Grand Slam in 2008, Grand Slam in 2012. They had a lot of Lions playing in 2013, but you know, did well at the World Cup, but couldn't quite get over the line against the Springboks in the quarterfinal. But just a feeling that maybe they're just plateauing a little bit. The Welsh maybe new blood yeah. needed on the coaching staff in some shape or form to kick them on. Ireland, I think, have impressed everyone with the way they've gone against South Africa. England are on the up. Scotland, uh, one in Japan, and they're, they're, they had a decent showing at the World Cup. But we can't forget that this is 2016. The World Cup's in 2019. A lot of teams are rebuilding after the World Cup of 2015. So I think before the Northern Hemisphere get carried away, if Ireland win a series, England win a series, yeah. let's see where everyone is, you know, come 2018, building up to Japan 2019. Indeed. Well, I reckon that uh, just about wraps us up. Thank you very much for coming in and joining Absolute us, pleasure. Chris. Thank you, Christy. And we'll be back, uh, again, uh, back again next week with big Sean Maloney back in the hot seat. Thanks uh, for listening, and we'll see you next week.